Thank you, Heavenly Father, that you are a God who speaks to us. We pray that at the beginning of this new year, you would make us people who have open ears, who are willing to listen to you. Please speak to us this morning, comfort us, encourage us, challenge us and equip us to do your will. Because we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. New Year, what a great time it is. Um, Of course, it's an arbitrary point on the calendar with no particular significance whatsoever. But let's leave that to one side for now. Because it's a way of marking time. And marking time is something that we as human beings do and need to do. Time passes and we need to take a moment every now and again to reflect what has happened. How are we telling our story over the last little period? That's something that we do as well as human beings, isn't it? We take the events of our lives and we put them together into a story that makes sense to us. This is what has been happening to me in the last year. And we look forward as well. What is going to happen? What would I like to happen? I've been reading some um, analysis of the last year and some predictions for the next. General consensus in the media is that this last year has been bleak, hard, Austerity at home, wars and rumours of wars abroad. This has been a, a tough year for many people. Consensus is that we won't be looking back on 2014 with any particular nostalgia. Now that might not be true of you individually. It might have been a great year for you. But that's the, the broad picture it seems. Looking forward, well, it depends who you ask. 2015 is is a potentially exciting year. Uh, The Telegraph magazine informed me that in the realm of fashion, 2015 is going to be the year of the tracksuit suit. (laughs) So we can all hope that they've got at least one thing wrong. In the political sphere, 2015 is going to be the year of, well, nobody has a foggy clue and everybody's very excited about it. And we look ahead and we wonder, what will 2015 be like for us? So much uncertainty, so much uncertainty going forward we would probably never have predicted half of the things that happened in the last year. And so we can't predict with any confidence what is going to happen in the next year. It's a largely blank canvas to us. So we do that other thing that we do at the beginning of a new year, which is we say, I am going to decide what is going to be on that canvas. And we make resolutions and we say, This year, I will do X, Y, Z. But even as we're making them, we know that we can look back on last year's resolutions and remember that we didn't keep them for more than a week or two. And we can remember that 
So many of the things we thought we were going to do just didn't quite come together, either because of circumstances or because at the end of the day it was too hard. So we don't know. 2015 is full of uncertainty. And it's in circumstances like that, periods like this, when we naturally gravitate towards verses like Hebrews 13, verse 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so we should. Let's put this out there right at the beginning. However we tell our story of 2014, however that narrative goes, Jesus Christ was there. Sometimes we acknowledged him and tried to give him lordship over what we were doing. Sometimes we ignored him willfully. Sometimes we forgot all about him. But throughout 2014, Jesus Christ was there, the same as he has ever been and ever will be. And going into 2015, the canvas is not completely blank. Jesus Christ is there, the same as he ever was, and the same as he always will be. And in a world of confusing change, and with our lives of unpredictable events, some joyful and some tragic and catastrophic, it is a huge comfort to know he is the same, and he will be there in the future, as he has been in the past. It's a great verse. It's a great poster verse. You know, the sort of verse that you put on a poster. problem with poster verses is that we don't read the bits on either side of them, and so we don't really know what they're all about. So let me try to just put this into some context for you from Hebrews. I need to just give you some background to the book. Hebrews is a book written by somebody, we don't know who, to people, we don't know who, but they were almost certainly Jewish Christians. And some time has passed since their conversion to Christ. We know that many or perhaps most of the people who initially brought them the message of Jesus have died. The letter talks about them as being in the past. At the same time, it seems that they are facing growing hostility from the Jewish communities in which they've grown up. We know from other historical sources that that tension grew and grew over time until a final split when it became very, very difficult to be both Jewish and Christian. And we see that that tension developing in this letter. And it seems likely, given what the author of Hebrews writes, that these Jewish Christians are tempted to return to Judaism, or perhaps uh, just to make some, some concessions in that direction so that they can keep their membership of the Jewish community 
to alleviate some of the pressure on them, to make life a bit more comfortable. And so throughout this letter, the author of Hebrews has been urging them, do not go back, press on. But here, he does encourage them to look back. Hebrews 13, verse 7. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. So he's saying, remember those people, the ones who initially told you about Christ, and consider their faith and how it sustained them through life. When he's talking about the outcome of their life, he means they've gone, they're dead. But consider where it got them. Keep that faith, imitate it, because it is worth it. And it's in that context that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Just as he was worth following when these people first preached him to you, so now he is worth following. It is worth persevering, worth keeping on. Jesus hasn't changed since you first believed. Again, this is something that I think a lot of us need to hear. For those of us, for some of us who have been Christians for a long time, we can look back on a time when we felt more zealous, we felt more excited by the gospel. Something of just youthful enthusiasm about it. Jesus Christ is the same now as he was then. If he was worth getting excited about then, he is worth getting excited about now. But the author of Hebrews applies this statement about Jesus in two particular ways. The first thing he says is that Jesus was, is, and always will be better than going back to the Judaism of their fathers. Do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. It is good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace, not by eating ceremonial food, which is of no benefit to those who do so. We have an altar from which those who minister at the tabernacle have no right to eat. Now, throughout the letter, he has been stressing again and again, Jesus is better. Better than the priests of Judaism. Better than the law of the Old Testament. Better than Joshua. Better than Moses. Better than all of the heroes. Better because he saves. So this is just that same argument compressed down. Don't go back. Don't go back to laying emphasis on what food can and can't be eaten, or any of the other things that will help you to fit in with your old community. Don't go back there because Jesus is better, and he is enduringly better. He was, and he is, and he always will be. It's no 
lasting benefit to abandoning him now might win you some friends in the short term. But there's no lasting benefit to it. Jesus is better. But then the second application is a slightly more strange one. Jesus was, is, and always will be the one who suffered outside the gate of Jerusalem. The high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering, but the bodies are burned outside the camp. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. Let us, then, go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore. For here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. Jesus was, is, and always will be the one who endured a shameful death outside, deliberately put outside of the gate of Jerusalem, outside of the community, in shame and disgrace. Why highlight that as a reason to carry on following him? Precisely because it should not be surprising to the Hebrew Christians that they are suffering similar treatment. shouldn't be surprising to them that they are being put outside of their communities, that they are feeling a sense of shame because of their faith. Because that is what Jesus went through. He was rejected. He suffered outside the gate. And so let us go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore. That's not a poster verse, is it? But what the author is doing is he's saying this. Look back to Jesus. Look back to who he was. Because the person he was is the person he is and the person he always will be. And if he was met with rejection and suffering in his earthly life, that is still the person he is today. And so it shouldn't surprise us if his followers meet with the same. Not only should it not surprise us, we should be willing to go to him in those places of shame and disgrace. To be conformed to Christ. To be like him. Because of course we know the outcome of Jesus' suffering. Eternal glory raised to the throne of the Father. It is worth following him. Here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. We are to be like Christ, suffering now, glory later. I think that's something we could do with hearing. 
If I were to make a prediction about things that are going to happen in 2015 and the years following, it would be that Christians in British culture will find themselves increasingly having to be outside the camp, bearing the disgrace that Jesus bore, marginalised on the edges. Let's not fret. Let's not worry about it. It's where Jesus is. And we will be there too. Because he is who he always was and always will be. The one who suffered outside the gate of Jerusalem. The logic of the argument is this. We can look back at Jesus, look back at who he was, what he said, what he did, and then be absolutely confident he is the same today as he was then. And he always will be the same. His character has not changed. It's great uh, when people don't change. Um, sometimes. Obviously, some people you wish they would change. I remember um, meeting up with a very close group of university friends and um, we were all uh, chasing our various dreams and we, this was a few years after we'd graduated. One guy had moved to London and um, got a job in corporate law. Now, I've got nothing against corporate law, but he wanted to be an archaeologist when he was at university. And we met up and his conversation was all about either corporate law, which doesn't float my boat, or um, his exciting London lifestyle. And the rest of us came away thinking, he's changed. And the next couple of times we invited him to meet up, he didn't come, and I haven't seen him for years. People change. People change. And it's sad when people change because we loved the people they were and now there's less that we have in common. And Jesus Christ does not change, will not change. So we can be confident in him. How well do we know the Lord Jesus Christ? For these, uh, these sorts of things to be a comfort to us, we would need to know him, wouldn't we? It would only be great that he didn't change, that he was always going to be there, the same as he has always been, into the farthest reaches of eternal future. That would only be good news if we knew him and loved him. For some of us, I think, the personality of Jesus recedes into the background as our Christian life goes on. When we became Christians, we fell in love with the person of Jesus. He was wonderful to us. We would give our lives to him. And then as time went on, we fell in love with theology or with doctrine or with church. And the person of Jesus receded into the background a little bit. Sure, that's reflected in our church culture, where 
I suspect the Apostle Paul gets a lot more airtime than Jesus. I'm not knocking the Apostle Paul. It's all Holy Scripture. What I'm saying is, we need to know Jesus. What was he like? What did he do? What was his character? Can I suggest that a, a good thing to do in 2015, if you're making Bible reading resolutions, which I know is something that um, we as evangelical Christians love to do uh, at the beginning of the new year, um, why not make it a resolution to increase your reading of the Gospels? Just get to know Jesus better. Because he is what it is all about. And I'll tell you what, you'll understand the Old Testament and the Apostle Paul a lot better if you've got the character of Jesus front and centre in your mind. How has 2014 been? How has it been? Have we suffered? Has it been hard? I know that it has been hard for many of us in this room. Isn't it a comfort to know that Jesus was and is and always will be the man of sorrows, familiar with suffering, the one who in his earthly life suffered, who knows what it is like, who is able to help through it. Some of us have buried people in 2014, loved ones. It's wonderful to me to know that Jesus was and is and always will be the man who wept at the tomb of Lazarus and comforted his friends. It's of greater comfort to know that he was and is and always will be the man who said, Lazarus, come out. He is the resurrection and the life. Have we celebrated in 2014? Has it perhaps been a good year for you? Jesus was and is and always will be the man who celebrated at Cana in Galilee and turned water into wine so that others could continue to celebrate. It's great to have him with us going into the new year. Have we failed? Jesus in 2014. I'm sure we all have in different ways. But some of us might be very conscious of having failed him in big ways. Of having failed in our discipleship. Of having betrayed Christ. He was and is and always will be the man who gently restored Peter after he had betrayed him. The man who was patient with his disciples when they persistently failed to understand, persistently failed to follow. Have 
The Lord Jesus Christ is the most wonderful travelling companion on life. As we walk through 2015, he will be with us, the same as he always was. What do you feel looking forwards? Are you anxious? Does it feel like 2015 is a sea which might drown you? Jesus Christ was and is and always will be the man who reached out his hands to the Apostle Peter as he was sinking into the waves and lifted him up. He was and is and always will be the man who said, My burden is light, my yoke is easy. Are we daunted going forwards? Is there stuff in 2014 that you are not sure you can face? Jesus Christ goes ahead of you. He was and is and always will be the man who could do all things, who could still the storm with a word, who could raise the dead and heal the sick. Are you tempted to walk away from him in 2015? He was and is and always will be the man who said, I hold my sheep in my hand and nobody can pluck them away from me. He was and is and always will be the man who said, If you deny me, I will deny you before my father and the angels. It's worth persevering in our walk with Jesus in 2015 because he is the same, altogether lovely, absolutely worthy. The one who combines mercy and grace and righteousness together, the one whose character is perfect, the one whose promises will come true. One of the other fantastic things. Jesus doesn't change. Imagine what a great power that actually implies. We can't promise any one of us that we won't change. When we make promises to one another, we know that there's always a chance that we'll fail to keep them. Jesus never changes. He keeps his promises. When he says he'll be with us to the end of the age, that's where he will be. I find it helpful to just look back over the last year and remember some of those key moments, good and bad. And just to remember, Jesus was there. Jesus was there. The same Jesus who walked by Lake Galilee was there with me at those periods and at those times. What about us as a church? What are we going to do this year together? Anybody know? (laughs) 
<laughs> I mean, we've got plans. Whatever it is that we set out to do this year, Jesus Christ was and is and always will be the one who said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He said it and it is true. Note, he's going to build it, not us, not our efforts, not our hard work. That's why you should come to pray. See, I did an extra plug. Here's a, maybe a warning for us. Jesus Christ was and is and always will be the one who said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Let's make sure that as a church going into this next year, we are looking to Jesus. We are clinging to him. We are expecting him to be at work amongst us, as he has been in the past. Are we going to abide in him in 2015 as a church? As a note, 1 John says that whoever claims to live in him must live as he did. Are we going to live as he did? Maybe time to redeploy the what would Jesus do bracelets which, incidentally, I always loved and never understood the negativity towards. What a great question to ask just before you do something. What would Jesus do in this situation? So long as you've done your work and you know what Jesus actually did in the past, you know his character, what a great question to ask. What would he do? What a great question for us as a church to ask together as we make decisions. What would Jesus do? Can we imagine him walking this path? Whatever lies behind us, or ahead of us, whether in the past it is celebration or tragedy, whether it is great triumphs of faith, or colossal falls into sin, whatever it is behind us, and whatever it is ahead of us, events that we don't know and can't foresee, decisions that we know we need to make, Whatever it is, Jesus Christ is the same. He is behind us and above us and ahead of us. He is the same yesterday, today and forever. I was uh, reminded of a verse in Isaiah 52. The Lord will go before you and the God of Israel will be your rear guard. Been thinking about that as one year turns into another. The Lord goes ahead of us into 2015. Jesus Christ will be the same there as he has been in the past. And he's our rear guard. He'll look after the mess that we can leave behind in the old year. He is with us. He is the same. He will carry us through whatever we have to face in 2015. And all that is required of us 
the one thing at the end of the day is this. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name, and do not forget to do good and to share with others. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. Very simple, isn't it? Very simple. Because Jesus Christ has dealt with the big stuff. And what is left to us? Singing his praise. Telling the world how wonderful he is. And doing good to others around us. What a wonderful picture of 2015 that would be. If we could get to the end of this year, having sung his praise, having preached his wonderful grace, and having done good works, not out of any desire to earn God's favour, but because Jesus was with us and enabled us to do it. Could be a great year. Could be a great year. But whatever it holds, whatever it holds, whatever the year holds, Jesus Christ holds the year. And he is the same. He was, he is, and he will be the Lord who carries us. Let's pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you that we can rely on him. Thank you that in him you have been faithful to us. Thank you that in him you have shown us mercy and grace. Thank you that in him we can have confidence for the future. Help us, please, to live lives that praise him. Help us, please, to live lives that cause others to praise him. So that he might be glorified as he deserves. And we pray in his name. Amen.